are all the new ones 5G now or do they still have 4G phones? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, mine, do, mine just says LTE when it's using data. Well, I mean, because like they're switching over to 5G everywhere. So yeah, I'm wondering how long that's going to hold out for people like us. Like, do we have to fucking... Do, can we... Can we get 5G on our phones or do we have to upgrade <laughs> to a new phone? They're probably I mean, going to make us upgrade. God damn it. I mean, that's how you get COVID though. What upgrading? Oh, 5G? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> God. Oh, that seems so long ago. Fuck. <laughs> the stupidest fucking conspiracy theory. That was so dumb. Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Rob Cobbs and then record our thoughts and post them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners' listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing on this fine Sunday morning? Doing well. Sipping a pitcher of... Well, not a whole pitcher at one time, but I'm sipping a pitcher of uh, Moscow Mules. Very nice. So I'm set. I'm Lovely. ready. I'm ready. It's officially winter. When Max breaks out the Moscow Mules, that's how you know <laughs> he's accepted winter is coming. <laughs> I have the Masters on in the background as we record. They're still they're actually playing it, huh? They're actually playing it in November of all days or all months. Um, they got and, masks on. Uh, no, of course. If <laughs> you forgot where this would be taking place, it's taking place in Augusta, Georgia. Oh, yeah. this is going on at Augusta. <laughs> oh. uh, you know, uh, you're not aware of that joke. Okay, uh, there. There's this podcaster named Chris Vernon. He's a sports podcaster based in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And he does this thing every year. He like he's this white guy who has like this white guy producer. And whenever the Masters comes on for his podcast, which he does every day, he turns it into like a Memphis style hip hop jam, like a three six mafia <laughs> hip hop jam. And it's like with the beat, he's always going like, "This will go on on at Augusta." <laughs> this will go on on at Augusta, and then he'll just start giving the scores, <laughs> like, and like trying to rhyme off of like the golfers' names. Um, like, there's a golfer named Tony Fee now, mm-hmm. and so he'll go Tony Fee now. Where he be now, Tony? <laughs> now, where he be now? He three under. That's what's going on. <laughs> it's everyone could just look that up on Twitter. Just look up, like I guess, uh, Chris Vernon Masters. You'll find videos of it from this year. It's some of the best internet content you can find. So really, go watch that instead of the Masters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll he'll let you know what's going on at Augusta. <laughs> uh, oh man! Oh. But yeah, uh, other than that, my morning's been pretty good. Just chilling. Um, it's just a super absolutely. windy day outside. Is it windy at your place? I mean, I'm on. I'm only on the second floor, so I don't really feel the wind. It's not I, like hit the building right as much as you would on your, you know, in your high rise. Yeah, my it, on windy days, it seriously just sounds like like an old wooden ship. It creaks <laughs> back and forth like crazy. It's my door creaks, my walls creak, the pipes in the walls creak. I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm on like a nineteen or a seventeen hundreds pirate ship. Well, speaking of ships. We watched Romancing the Stone this week. 
for our anniversary episode. Yeah, yeah. Anniversary. Yeah, the Angelina. <laughs> the Angelina. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> so, uh, as we, I've said earlier, uh, the only thing I knew about this movie was the title of the movie. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and from that title, I then repurposed it for the title of this podcast with my bro, Max Lyon. Uh, so, other than that, didn't really know much. Um, I think I, and, I mean, I'd seen it once, but I think all I knew was that the mud slide scene in the very beginning. Yeah. And that's all I remembered of it. Yeah. I honestly and, didn't even remember who was in it besides Michael Douglas. Yeah. And there's so much to go over. Oh, my God. Um, but what we're going to do first is I'm going to go over the stats and then. Max told me something he did for our anniversary episode. Something oh, a little special for our tens and tens of listeners. Max has brought back Tasty Tidbits, y'all. That's right. Tasty Tidbits coming back for today. Just for but today. First, but first, let's talk about this movie. Romancing the Stone is a 1984 American romantic comedy adventure film directed by Robert Zemeckis who is a very famous director. Mm-hmm. Um, Back to the future. And, yeah. He also, didn't he do Castaway? Mm, yeah, I think no, so. He did, yeah. He did for, well, he did Forrest Gump. That's for sure. Yeah. He did Forrest Gump and Castaway. He, uh, he's done a lot. Yeah. A lot of well-received famous movies. Who um, framed Robert, Roger Rabbit. That's the Polar Express, apparently. Yep. Oh, he did Contact. That's a good sci-fi movie. That's one of my personal favorite sci-fi movies. There you uh, go. Yeah, he did all the Back to the Future movies. Yeah. Uh, and this was also written by Diane Thomas. Uh, the film stars Michael Douglas, who also produced the film. It is a Michael Douglas production, which you see at the very beginning of the film in the credits. Uh, <laughs> which <laughs> we'll talk about. Uh, and it also stars Kathleen Turner and Danny DeVito. Uh, it Danny was fucking DeVito. It was followed by a 1985 sequel titled The Jewel of the Nile. So, literally a year later, technically 18 months later, they had a sequel. Yep. Uh, Romancing the Stone was released on March 30th. It's a positive review from critics. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll get into that in a second. The running time is 106 minutes, so basically an hour 45. The budget of the film was only $10 million. Hmm. Only spent 10. Um, That's pretty and, good for all the like on-set stuff they had to do. And, and it was filmed in Mexico in the United States. So Colombia yep. was actually in Mexico. Yep. Beautiful fucking scenes though. My God. Oh yeah. Beautiful scenery. Uh, incredible stuff there. Um, the production company was called El Corazon Producciones. <laughs> so, El Corazon. El Corazon. There it is again. The heart. How much did this make in the box office off of the $10 million budget? Well, if we're going off your rule of the sequels, mm-hmm. well, it had to be pretty profitable. So let's see. I'm thinking mm, 100 mil? $115.1 million. Nice. Wow, that did really fucking well then. Yeah. So, holy hell. Huge success of the box office. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was basically a big hit. And there's a reason why they rushed out another sequel <laughs> as soon as they could. Uh, and then there's 52 reviews in Rotten Tomatoes. What is the Rotten Tomato score for this film? I'm betting it was pretty good. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say like 80%. 85%. Damn. Certified fresh. Wait, Um, wait, 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 wait. 
for our anniversary episode, I got close to my guesses on both. Yeah, you did. That might be a first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's been a year, so. It has been a year. My God, it's been a year. Uh, <laughs> so there were a few bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's hear them. Uh, such as director Robert Zemeckis displays such dazzling cinematic know-how that it's genuinely depressing when this 1984 film falls off into the usual self-ridicule. That was Dave Kerr of the Chicago Reader in February of 2008. Come on, Dave. Lighten up. Also February 2008 from Variety. Turner is a lot like, is like a lot of unwitting screen heroines ahead of her. Guaranteed that her drab existence is about to be transformed. Probably by a man, preferably handsome and adventurous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, Bridie. All right. (laughs) Okay. Someone's bitter. Just okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, Roger Hebert, of course, uh, gave it a good rating. Three out of four. This Mm -hmm. is from October 2004. After all the Raiders ripoffs, it's fun to find an adventure film that deserves the comparison, that has the same spirit and sense of humor. And then John yeah. Preston, Time Out in June of 2006, wrote, The script is sharp and funny. The direction sure-footed on both the comedy and action fronts. And the whole thing adds up to rather more concerted fun than Indiana Jones's flab-ridden escapade in the Temple of Doom. So that dude thinks it's better than Temple of Doom. Well... That's that is debatable, but of all the the Indiana Jones movies, Temple of Dune was was so fucking bad. It was so bad. So yeah, if it's going to be better than any of the Indiana Jones movies, that's the one. So here's the thing with Indiana Jones movies: I know of them, but I've seen none of them. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to be kind of in the mood for that kind of adventure anyway. So if you liked the adventure aspect of this movie, you'd probably like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I mean, maybe, (laughs) but for now let's adventure towards your tasty tidbits, tasty tidbits. Yeah. So yeah, this is my, this is my anniversary present to you, buddy. I appreciate it. I'm, Um, I'm, it's a very thoughtful present of yours. And and when we're able to drink together again. <laughs> anniversary present. But let's get started. So, um, nothing too extraordinary about this film, but since it is an older movie, there's a couple there's a couple tidbits that are worth discussing at least. So we'll start with this one. Uh, we've already mentioned it, and we've already mentioned like the sequels and everything and how it led to future successes. So Help me out with the pronunciation of the director's name again. Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis. Okay, so yeah. this movie actually led to Robert Zemeckis being able to make Back to the Future. Wow. So it actually had a direct correlation. Um, he stated in the Back to the Future movie, uh, like the supplemental materials, that it actually directly led to him being able to not only make the movie, but have a lot more creative and directorial freedom with it. Um, and simply because this movie was such a huge hit in the box office. So I thought that was kind of cool. That is. Um, and of course we've called it a, a ripoff of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but what you don't get is the screenplay was written five years earlier from the Indiana Jones franchise. Hmm. So... It was technically like the first of its, you know, of, of the, I guess of that kind, probably not the first of its kind, but like the first of, you know, if you're going to call it a ripoff to the Indiana Jones franchise, it's important to know which one came first. Yeah. It, uh, Laura Thomas, who wrote this, this was the only screenplay she actually wrote. She never wrote another screenplay. I was actually just about to say uh, this, the screenwriter, her, I have it as Diane Thomas. Or Diane Thomas, I, whatever the fuck. 
Laura and I had same difference. That was my next tidbit. So thank you for the segue, actually. The it it I have that she she actually wrote The Jewel of the Nile as well, the sequel. Hmm. And she died. I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> she died like right before the release of the sequel. So she never actually, thankfully, she got to see the first one released, but she died only like weeks before the sequel was released in October 1985. I I don't mean to step on your tidbit there, but according to Wikipedia, which we all know is correct, uh, at the time, Thomas was busy writing for the movie Always for Steven Spielberg. It was not available to write The Jewel in the Nile. Oh, well, then why this man... People Magazine is letting me the fuck down. They lied to me. You lied to me. <laughs> um, all right. Michael Douglas. We always got to have one of these for the casting. Michael Douglas was, of course, not the first choice, despite him being the producer of it. Christopher Reeve was the first person to turn down the role. Hmm. As were Sylvester Stallone, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, that would have been real interesting. And Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that, that seems right. Yeah. I mean, you, you want, I mean, I know there's the element of danger, but you want the woman to feel somewhat safe, right? You would not <laughs> get that with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> And lastly, Paul Newman was actually offered the part of Jack Colton as well, but felt there was unnecessary and excessive violence in the movie. Huh. I mean, that's Paul Newman's kind of MO anyways. Like he's, he's always, he was always very much a publicly passive person. So, I mean, cool hand Luke, though <laughs> like yeah was that early yeah. in his career maybe yeah it was early in his career but like the cool hand luke ends with him yelling out the door it appears we have a failure to communicate and then he gets shot up or well even like what a fucking um oh god him and robert redford why am i blanking on those two movies uh butch cassidy and the sundance kid yes butch and sundance that's a horribly violent film yeah. They both get mowed down by what the the Peruvian militia at the time, or not Peru, but one of those South American countries that they yeah Bolivian. That's what it was. Like they get mowed down by a fucking militia firing squad at the end of the. That's how the movie ends, and it's like, okay, that didn't happen in this movie. I mean, yeah. The only violence I can think like there's an alligator who bites an arm off, which Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean there's that. And then technic like we see a knife, but we don't necessarily see anything else when like the butcher is outside of Joan's door and right. the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But other than that. Yeah, there's no big I mean for today's standards it's certainly not violent. But yeah. maybe that's more of a commentary on just how quickly films have gotten violent these days. Very true. <laughs> um, Robert Zemeckis and Kathleen Turner did not get along at all. Uh, Turner once said that she had, quote, terrible arguments working with Zemeckis. He's a film school grad fascinated by cameras and effects. I never felt that he that he knew what I was having to go through to adjust my acting to do some of his damn cameras. Sometimes he puts you in ridiculous postures. I'd say, this is not helping me. This is not the way I like to work. Thank you. (laughs) Despite the troubles with Turner, um, she would later provide the vocals for Jessica Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is another one of Zemeckis' movies. Wow. 
And then for that mudslide scene that I mentioned earlier, Wonder Woman's stunt double was used for Kathleen Turner. Jeannie Epper, who is also the stunt double for Linda Carter in the 1970s Wonder Woman television series, was the stunt double during that whole scene. That would have been fun as fuck to do. Like, it's just a massive water slide. Dog, yeah. Like, I... I wrote that in my live tweet of the movie. I was just like, that looks extremely fun, except for the whole fearing for your life thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. If if you were actually in that situation, <laughs> not so much. <Yeah. laughs> and that brings me to my last little tidbit, was the filming was actually pretty dangerous. Filming in Mexico was plagued with rain, mud, bugs, and actual alligators, not just the ones used for the movie. Not- oh, yeah. What? It looked like they actually did their own fucking sense. Like there was like the the car scenes when they were coming up to El Corazon. Like mm-hmm. Douglas is like uh, driving the field, uh, driving the car in that field, and like also like jumping in and ju- and like jumping out and all that. Like he's doing the stunts and that, and just like that seems dangerous as fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, all yeah. the stunts and action sequences were done completely live because, like, this is prior to the age of, you know, computer generation and all that stuff. So, I mean, I mean, it was cool as fuck too, but it all God, but yeah, it looked scary as fuck. And then, regarding the alligators, after an action sequence involving an alligator, the gator would be set free and would swim away. Trainers had to track gators down, <laughs> and oh. eventually one trainer was attacked. Fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, the alligator took the trainer's hand and, sp- and spun and took him down under the water. The crew managed to free the man and get him to the hospital and save his mauled hand. So that mauled hand scene... Pretty accurate. Yeah. (laughs) And lastly, uh, in the famous dance scene with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Uh, Of course. That was, uh, he, Michael Douglas was completely unaware that film was rolling. Douglas was dancing with Kathleen Turner and some extras and was enjoying the scene and as if it was preparation for the eventual filming. Huh. And was surprised to later find out that Robert Zemeckis had been filming the entire time. Well, I think that's smart. Yeah. Because, like, that's supposed to be an exuberant scene. And that that's why, he, you know, he looks so confident in his cha-cha. And it's just like... <laughs> I mean... He, yeah. yeah. He, he, he went... <laughs> He had the confidence of a white colonizer with his cha-cha. Imperialism joke. Yeah. And also, I love how it it was very, even though it was set in Colombia in the movie, it was very Mexico-like where they tried to speak Spanish and then everyone was just like, we speak English. I know. I love that. <laughs> and it was just like, like my, when I went to Cabo St. Lucas says like when I was 20, that they took American dollars and they spoke English to me. And it was just like, and I was just like, well, I wish I could speak Spanish back to you. Cause I should know how to speak Spanish, but I don't. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the thing that I've always thought about if I ever go to Italy when I go to Italy yeah it's like I know of course Europe is no exception to English as well but I feel like I feel bad not speaking any of my ancestral tongue you know yeah I mean but what do you that's America for you that's America for you we get two years of foreign language education in high school that we ultimately reject anyway and this is America America we We don't speak speak anything other than English 
<laughs> the true American language, even though it's named after another country. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get into the movie. The first thing I want to talk about is that it's a Michael Douglas production because that's the first thing you see on the screen. And yeah, you see it, it a few times, I think, don't you? It's like constantly yeah. reminding you. Well, that's just... So it surprised me that there were other men thought about as the lead because this felt the whole time as a vanity project of Michael Douglas saying, fuck Harrison Ford. I could be Indiana Jones too. Like that's how this movie felt. It's yeah, a good just felt like Michael Douglas being like, I could be Indiana Jones. No, you can't. Why did they ask me? Have you seen Harrison Ford? Come on. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm saying in Michael Douglas's view. Oh, I know. I'm saying to Michael Douglas, like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Harrison Ford's slightly overrated just in general, though. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, but I mean, he's now, of course, compiled such an incredible resume that it's tough to. Yeah. But. I feel like he's as good of an actor as he is an airplane pilot. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you'd seen actually, that's a running joke in Indiana Jones too. If you'd seen those, there's oh, the there joke that he can always fly the plane, but he doesn't know how to fucking land it. <laughs> like yeah. in real life. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. It, so, I mean, Michael Douglas actually did really good as Jack in this movie. I thought, yeah, I thought his acting was fucking solid. I, like, it, and he and Kathleen Turner did have a solid chemistry together. They did. They did. Um, it, like, Kathleen Turner, it, see, like, she's a famous name. Everyone talks about her as, like, a famous actress, but... I just, but I never knew what she was in. I'd never seen anything she was in. So this is my first experience watching like Kathleen Turner, especially in her prime. And yeah, she Same was, me. Yeah, yeah, she was, she was great in this role. Um, uh, like, actually, I take that back. Technically the first time I ever saw her act was as Chandler's dad in friends. Oh yeah. <laughs> she plays. <laughs> She plays a uh, uh, transvestite, uh, like, or what was she like? A showgirl in Vegas as Chandler's dad. Yeah. So I just the whole time I was watching this movie, I was flashing to like scenes of Friends where I'm just like, all right, when's the Vegas scene come in? <laughs> I mean, wasn't that? It was a. She was a supposedly just a drag queen, not a transvestite. Oh, that's right. That's right. Wow, goes to show how long it's been since I actually watched Friends. Or yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I I don't know where else to start. I mean, other than that one joke about like Michael Douglas doing like this movie had so much. So first off, well, like, did, you, did you did you notice the scene? Like, I keep it's burned into my memory now. The look on his face when they fall down the mudslide, and he lands like in between her legs. Yes, that it was just like when on uh, the live tweet I wrote. You know, hey Michael Douglas, like when he first got introduced in the movie when he's shooting at the butcher, and. I was like, hey, Michael Douglas, insert kind of lingish joke here, because that's always my go-to with, with him because of the whole throat cancer thing. Right. And then, literally at the end of the mudslide, mm-hmm. he lands with his face in between her legs. And I was like, oh, well, it looks like the movie inserted the kind of lingish joke for me. Yep. <laughs> so now we have it filmed and documented permanently in our archives, as this is the moment when Michael Douglas contracted ha <laughs> <laughs> contracted hpv which yep. then turned into a form of throat cancer <laughs> that he was able to overcome oh god and the look on his face when he pops up from that he's like 
his eyes are wide open and he just goes, Woo! Hell of a morning! <laughs> like, Jesus, dude. The subtlety oh, is completely gone. Oh my gosh. Shit! <laughs> uh, I mean, also, it's like, it went, this movie was PG, but like, it was a mid 80s PG. There were nipples in the first five seconds. Exactly! There were nips. <laughs> like and like crazy violence like the alligator violence and like knife kills how the like, fuck is this pg because they i don't think they had come up with pg-13 yet oh and it wasn't hard enough to be an r they were they were cursing in the movie too there's a lot of cursing yeah. in it yeah there's tons I mean, of like drug references Yes, exactly. <laughs> PG. It's like all the things that we nowadays like for an fucking R-rated movie. Cursing, yeah. violence, sex, innuendos, this drug references. Been, this would have been PG-13 and things would have been taken out or they would have asked to refilm. A exactly. Times. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think they dropped the F-bomb at all, but... I don't know. I mean, so I, I guess that's technically R-rated nowadays, but yeah. But still, like, I mean, there's plenty more. <laughs> so there's plenty more to go on. <laughs> Just, I yeah, I I, <laughs> I don't know. There's also, I don't know. I, I literally, I, I <laughs> the acting, know. the acting is easily like. That's the best part of it. I mean, well, that's debatable. There's a lot of good stuff to it that I'm sure we'll get into. But, like, the acting is, like, that's why you show up to the movie theater, I bet. is because, like, they knew who they were casting for these roles. They knew who they were getting. And it it worked out. Like you said, they had great chemistry. And it was fun to watch them. For me, I just feel like... I just want to go over everything I felt that was batshit crazy. Like what in the, like everything that was what the fuck to me. I feel like after the acting, like once we've noted that, that's essentially the entire rest of the fucking movie. Yeah, like it's just exactly. all just absolute shit show. It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark or no, no, no. What was it? Temple of Doom. It's Temple of Doom on like cocaine. That's what yeah. it was. <laughs> so... First thing, the butcher just straight up kills the super in Jones building. Yeah, what the fuck? And then there's no like aftermath there's to it. No follow up. Like he then broke into the apartment and turned and fucking broke everything in the apartment looking for the map. Where did he dispose the body? Where is the body? No one reports the body. It's New York, so I guess no one no one cares about the body. <laughs> like the rats will get it. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> at the same time, we don't necessarily see him kill the super, do we? Do we see him stab him? Mm-mm. I don't remember. No, I it's below. I think it's below the camera. Okay, yeah, that's right. He, but he did stab him. Yeah, he stabs yeah. him in the gut, and I think all you see is like their faces and his yeah. reaction. And then I think he falls down, doesn't he? By the way, the mustache, hat, trench coat combo that butcher dude looked creepy like he dude. looked evil and creepy with that mustache like he he was scary he was if, scary if i was a colombian in the fucking 80s i would have rocked the shit out of that outfit <laughs> oh i would have loved to have that badass hat trench coat big mustache be super creepy um but I'm like drug cartel <laughs> There, but there's that. Um, I also love just the like when they were in Colombia, just the you know, the curses and insults in Spanish that were just you know, cautiously or that was just stated throughout the film. Uh, I, I loved that, you know, like when she kicks the pig in the bus and they call her a that. <laughs> Um, you know, and then they like pendejos and like yeah. Um, they even threw in you know maricon because it's in the eighties and you know 
gay slurs are are no big thing. Um, <laughs> although Danny DeVito tries to say it and he says it horribly in his fucking you know, gay Maricone. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. There's there's another acting acting uh, shout out that needs that needs to be in here is Danny DeVito. He did everything he could with the part that felt unnecessary, <laughs> completely unnecessary. There was like absolutely no reason for him to be in the movie other than just putting Danny DeVito in it. Like I feel like they made a role just to put Danny DeVito in the movie. Yeah, other than like, hey, we need we need to steal your car. And we need you to take the stone and elongate the ending. Like, that's literally his only role. Was like, he supplied the car that got him to the stone. And then he was there to take the stone from them, which led to the river part. And then them getting separated and having to meet at Hotel Cartagena. Right. Which you could have easily done with any number of other strategies, too. Like, they keep losing the stone throughout the movie. That's You can do that any number of ways. Yes, and in this case, they decided to make it Danny DeVito and cut to him and have him do "quote unquote" funny stuff, um, like like when he tries to <laughs> when he tries to take down the wanted poster, it falls down. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I just I, I love the where the butcher gets in his car, and yeah. he's got he's got his hand up. He's trying to drive. And he's like yeah. saying all these things under his breath, but then he's also like covering up his face with his his other free hand. And he's Americanos, like, too. Yeah, and then he's, <laughs> he's trying to speak Spanish. That doesn't work. So then he tries uh, to speak English with a Mexican accent, which is horrible. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I. <laughs> um. Then there's also. Like the rope swing, which oh, across the ravine, yeah, across the yeah, across the ravine. Uh, there's that's fucking bonkers. And then immediately after doing the rope swing, I love that Joan immediately pulls out a little tiny alcohol bottle and is like, <laughs> I need <a> drink. <laughs> like, and then and then Michael Douglas goes. What are you doing? I almost just died, and you're sitting here having a drink. Grabs it from her and drinks it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and then they get into the plane, which is stuffed with marijuana. And, and then she's like, "I was in college once," and they burn the marijuana in order to keep warm. And also, Jack is just getting high as fuck off of it. He's just got his face in the fire. That yeah, amazing. Blazing the fuck up. Just like we're stuck in this rainstorm. Might as well build a fire and get high as fuck. I mean, objectively speaking, if you're not worrying about your safety in that situation, like you're not, you're in a safe situation where you don't have to worry about animals and people hunting you with guns. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how fucking amazing that would have been. Oh just- my God. You've got not only are you sitting with one other person and you're just hot boxing together, hot boxing with like a with a bottle of strong alcohol. Yeah, which we never find out what it actually is, do we? No. Okay. But yeah, so you're just sitting there like you're killing the time. It's late in the evening. You're just kind of like swapping stories. It's like campfire type atmosphere to it. But the campfire is made of weed. Yeah. Like, imagine having the freedom to just be like, fuck it. We got enough. Let's make the campfire out of weed. Yeah. And and then, of course, what happens with Joan? She gets a little weed in her system, a little alcohol in her system, a little food in her system when she eats the olives. And all of a sudden... Just a little conversation with Jack, and she's laying down. Yeah, eyes, and it's just like every single time if a girl gets a little weed in her system, a little alcohol, her system, a little food, her system, a little conversation, all of a sudden, just the walls come tumbling down. Fuck, that's hell. That's what I do, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me too. Honestly, oh, yeah. God, that would be. Yeah, that would be good. Good. 
If I was in that situation, tell me about your life, Jack. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but for real though, like what? What? <laughs> yeah, she lies down, but like she has that like beckoning look on her. Like, come on, tell yeah. me more. I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but she's also giving him eyes, like, because she's super sexually attracted to him. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, I'd be more like, nah, but fuck it. Seriously though, bro, like. <laughs> I've been lying down looking at the fuselage of this plane going, do you ever wonder what people think when they crash the plane? And that's when <laughs> everyone else in the plane is like, dude, we're trying to enjoy the evening. <laughs> nah, but seriously though, like, nah, but seriously. think about it though. About like it. they, like they were good. <laughs> then they <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> or like i would totally latched on to the fact that the pilot was wearing a grateful dead jacket. oh yeah well and then and also i like like how she passed out too just like a complete like switch look that's how i personally pop like pass out when i'm drinking and smoking oh totally to excess. like that's exactly how i am just like a light like a switch gets turned off like all right i'm out i'm done sleep <laughs> like it's over. Night's over. Everything's good. Everything's good. Night's over. <laughs> I remember from all of our all of our late night shenanigans. Yeah. Many late night shenanigans we've had over the last decade. Or just middle of the day shenanigans if it happens to be uh, St. Patty's. Yeah. <laughs> That's happened as well, yes. Um, well, it's noon. Time to pass out for the day. <laughs> It's called a power blackout, Lana. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, so did they sleep in the plane? I forget, like, how they left the plane. I don't know. This is that's where that's where uh, some of those reviews that you were reading off actually were kind of truthful about how it kind of like. There's a lot of. It's a very fun movie, but it really is yeah. like in terms of the actual, like narrative it's very choppy let's let's go ahead and talk about that so she literally goes from yelling across a river at jack to walking into the hotel cartagena the very next scene yeah we don't talk about her traversing through the jungle somehow finding a way to cartagena and then entering the hotel. She literally just enters the hotel. We just, <laughs> just like, oh, well, she found her way. I mean, she walked, she walked toward the sunset. And it's like, yes, I understand. She's like gained all this knowledge and, you know, confidence and everything. But still, but still, how the fuck? she's an unexperienced American in a jungle alone. With people chase, with the butcher and a bunch of armed men chasing her. Right. So it's like if the animals don't fucking <laughs> do you in, chances yeah. are you're not getting there without getting caught by other guys with guns too. And she's not the one with the machete. Like Jack is the one with the machete. So oh, like, yeah, she really didn't have any sort of resourcefulness to her name during that trek. But she made it to Hotel Cartagena. Somehow before Jack too. And also, she becomes a super pow- a superhero who, I mean, granted, he only had one arm, one working arm at the time, but could hold off a knife from a grown-ass serial killer man in the butcher, <laughs> like, multiple times at the end. Oh, yeah. Just, like, holding his arm back, and, like... And then when she's laying down, he's on top of her and just like holding the knife away and like, and then holding it off with one arm while trying to reach that block of wood. And also, did he have to land on fire before landing <laughs> in the gators? <laughs> he, had he had to cook himself before feeding himself to the, uh, the gators. I mean, you don't want to, maybe they don't like sushi. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, Jack is climbing 
a fucking wall that has no footholds and no finger holds. Exactly. I was looking at that too going, dude, how are you scaling this wall? You're not it, James Bond. What the fuck? You know what I immediately thought of? It's, it's a personal joke. Shout out to Robbie Plowman's 22nd birthday. Yes. Oh my <laughs> God. That's so he, true. He tried to climb the same he kind of wall. He climb a fucking wall. He broke his fucking finger and he, had a, and he had a split on his finger for a month. Oh my God. He ended up having to go to the hospital getting a split put on his finger. And Andrew like, Hasseld and I had to take him down off the wall. So he did. Because he was trying to Spider-Man climb a fucking brick wall that was like painted over. That he was putting his fingers into the little grit, like grit holes between each the grout. Yeah, the grout. Yeah, the grout. In his defense, he made it surprisingly far up. Yeah, and like you guys actually had to fucking pull him off of there like it was the goddamn American Gladiator's wall. <laughs> maybe uh maybe there's some truth to that there's nothing that uh nothing that can get between you and determination i guess (laughs) i guess so and then you know (laughs) like we'll talk about the romance here in a second because you know but i love at the very end jack's like oh well the police are coming so i'm bounce out (laughs) like and Joe's just like, wait, wait, you're leaving? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, I thought we had something here. And then Jack just like looks at her, holds her, presses her face, presses her face, and says, "You're, you're, you'll be all right." <laughs> like he leans in, like he's gonna be like, "Oh, you're right. I could never leave you, or you're coming with me, or something like that." He just goes, "I think he actually said something like." Oh, like almost like condescending. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you're cute, and then like <laughs> face, and then like, no, but I'm out. Just like no, 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 you good. You no, got you good. Right, you got this. You got this. You got this. <laughs> like that's the pure fuckboy right there. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. Oh, that is so, it was so funny watching, just like, are you fucking kidding me? And she kind of had that look on her face as he was, like, swimming away. As she should. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I I, I get, I get that you guys didn't yeah. know each other before this, and, like, this was a an isolated incident where you went through hell together, and that was it. And now you go your separate yeah. ways kind of attitude. Yeah. But, but you went through hell together. That's got to stand for something. You also fucking slept together. Yes. And like, and, uh, <laughs> like this isn't one. So we talked about, about a late night, one night stand kind of thing. This is you're both facing death. Yeah. And God knows what else. Like if you don't die, there's going to be torture involved or some sort yeah. of pain. And then you're like, but we feel safe enough with each other that we're going to sleep together. That's, that's something. <laughs> and then he's just like, nah, I'm out. You got this, right? You got this. <laughs> and then we haven't talked about Elaine, the sister. First off, how does she get involved with her husband who ends up getting cut to pieces by the butcher? They don't ever explain that, I don't think. They don't ever explain that. And then, on top of all that, there's also just, like, she's like, oh, man, people are coming after me. So she gets into this car, which has a Columbia license plate. It says Columbia on it. Oh, that's a good detail to include, actually. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I'm sure that license plate is completely 100% accurate. (laughs) just as accurate as like that 10 or 11 year old kid fucking somehow turns his oh, toy. Yeah. How, like, <laughs> how did that not like kill her? Yeah. It just completely hits her and knocks her out as she's trying to get in the car and then drives the car as if he's a goddamn formula one driver. <laughs> they grow up fast in Columbia, man. Yeah. And that was all for 
the kidnappers of Danny DeVito and, and Ira, who is played by some other dude. And they're the ones who hired the little kid. So, like, they're the second-rate, like, no-one-gives-a-fuck criminals. And they're finding kids who know how to throw medieval weapons to knock women out and drive cars like Formula One drivers. Yeah, I feel like you got to give that kid a little uh, little raise or promotion or something. Like, this is... You're cracking into some untapped talent here in this country, if that's the case. Yeah. I mean... He must. He must have grown up to become Juan Pablo Montoya. He was a Colombian, <laughs> he was either Colombian or a Venezuela driver. But anyway, <laughs> I think it was Colombian. I want to say Colombian. I hope it was Colombian, or else I'll get my Latino card taken away. Um, on anyway. top of the not speaking Spanish. Okay. On top of not speaking Spanish, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, let's let's get to the romance part of this whole movie. So it's basically it is a second part of this movie. It is a bigger part than most other movies, but it is a second part of this movie. Do you agree with that? Mm, I, I, from a narrative perspective, yeah, I, I yeah. think they. I think they did it well that they introduced it like the movie itself was introduced in that light, you know, like you're immediately in one of her novels, her romance novels. Mm -hmm. And then you find out it like, you don't, you're not introduced to any other protagonist. It's just Kathleen Turner's character. And you're, Mm -hmm. you're learning about her life and that she's, you know, this lonely cat lady author and who writes romance novels. And of course dreams of someday finding exactly that in her own life and so it i like that that it sets up for for the whole movie to be one of those novels for her that she lives through which of course like it discounts a lot of the stuff we just talked about where it's like you know it's a it's a jumble of all this random shit there's not a lot of like cohesive narrative to it um yeah which is fine because it's supposed to be like an action-packed romance novel so i liked that but yeah, from a purely like film narrative perspective, I, I think I would agree that it's like once once the male protagonist gets introduced, that's when it like it takes kind of a secondary role. And now it's just an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think it was one of those things where, you know, the adventure and everything becomes kind of an aphrodisiac to to the whole romance it exactly heightens the the physical attraction to everything because you're because you know the whole fearing for your life is just kind of increases the libido because it's just like well we're if we're gonna die <laughs> if we're gonna die we might as well fuck like it just it is what it is uh so <laughs> it's a powerful thing man I know it's just it is what it is. So, uh, and, and like, there's so there's that. I mean, they have a, a chemistry together, but I mean, other than that, there's not a lot of. It just all of a sudden, it just one of those things where you kind of just expect it to be a romance because they're the two leading characters in the movie. That's that's kind of how it's served in the film. It's not. A matter right. of they learn about each other and you know this and that and the other. It's more of a oh you're attractive, I'm attractive. Here's you know here's my past and my goal for everything. Here's my goal for everything. All right, well let's continue on. And as we continue on, we just become closer because of more proximity than anything else. It felt like yeah, and and like you said, circumstances. It's just yeah, romance through circumstances, which yeah. Which is like, for that, I feel like it's a toss up. Sometimes that actually, like, that can be a really good bonding experience. Mm-hmm. Like going, you know, from a real world perspective, if we're putting this movie in a real world perspective for, for a moment. But the other side of it is I, I feel like the other 50% of the time, like, it's like once that circumstance is over you have to be sure that there's something more there than just 
what was created in the circumstance, you know? Like, yeah. do you really know each other? Do you, like, are you capable of maintaining a relationship in the real world? Or are you always need to, do you always need to be chased by people with guns in order to have romance? <laughs> you know, like, our sex life has taken a turn for the worse this month. Um, <laughs> I feel like we need to be shot at a little bit. <laughs> like, imagine that couple going to, like, a couple's counselor someday in their relationship. And the counselor's like... Just sitting there going, holy fuck, I don't know what to unpackage first. They probably, probably fly to that that bell maker's place in that random ass little town and get into his truck that he calls Pepe. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, no. The sex life isn't as where we want it to be. Let's go take a ride in Pepe real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, just drive. We're going we're gonna to hop in the back seat while you take us yeah. through the jungle. <laughs> yeah. You can, just, you can just hit that jump that you did that one time. <laughs> You know, and just make it extra bumpy so I don't have to, like, do as much stress down here, all right? There you go. There you go. Yeah. Or just, you know, take an anniversary trip back to that that crashed fuselage in the jungle. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Um, (laughs) That's their, their, like, that's their tropical destination. (laughs) But what did you think of the kiss of the film? Or what did you think was the kiss of the film? So I, I remember the kiss because I remember making note of, of it being the kiss, but even now I'm having trouble remembering what scene it actually was. I think the kiss of the film was at the, it was after the dancing. It was in the, the festival that they were having. Was that the, that was the first time they kissed, right? I'm actually, yeah. was that the only time they kissed? No, they. I mean, they technically kiss in bed afterward when they when they bang immediately afterward, um, and then they also kiss at the end of the film when they're floating away in the in the boat, which we'll talk about soon. Oh, shortly. right, right. Yeah, I think the dancing scene was the one I was thinking of as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah, I, I think that was a, the a smart move to film while they didn't know that they were filming on that like dance scene so that they couldn't like try it was more of it kind of added to it to that it didn't seem like they were trying choreography yeah if they were like trying choreography there it would have looked even lamer but it was was certainly a lot more organic yeah the 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 spontaneity of it came through it yeah like you were saying from michael douglas's perspective he looked a lot more loose and unguarded and he was just enjoying the moment which is like that's exactly what you want from that kind of a moment especially from a rom-com perspective Mm -hmm. exactly and so i thought that that all worked out and added to the scene and then you had the firework sounds with the like the light just rushing in as they kissed and it was just like it all felt very big and cinematic when it's like, oh, when you have a director who actually knows what the fuck he's doing, like Zemeckis, that's what's going to happen. So I felt like that all worked and made it a B plus of a kiss. I thought it was a really good one. Yeah, I thought it was solid. I'd give it a solid B. It was it was exactly what it needed to be, but it wasn't anything, you know, extraordinary or different. Mm-hmm. So it was like a solid B. Yeah. And then for a PG movie, we see side boob and side ass. Oh, like, yeah. Lying on each other naked. <clears throat> that was actually, I must say, that was a pretty, that was a pretty flustering scene. I'm sitting there going, damn, this is all right. <laughs> like, it's like they are in the throes of intimacy and yeah. we're just here for it. And it's like, they're also in the throes of intimacy, literally like, with at, at about 30 hours of knowing each other at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They're just lying on each other naked at, after like 30 hours. All right. Well, yeah, that is a very intimate, a very intimate scene. Like escaping with your life is a crazy aphrodisiac. I keep saying it, <laughs> but it is. We're alive. Let's celebrate and bone. <laughs> bone. Bone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
yeah it, it, i mean as far as what happens after ever after uh we'll get to that at the end of the podcast but i mean i don't know was there anything else about this film like honestly it'll be a part of my verdict but there's just so much about this that people just need to kind of see to get <laughs> yeah it, i'm i'm right there with you i think it's like there's a lot that happens. Like you said, it was what an hour and 40 hour and 45. Yeah. It sure. Shit didn't feel that way. Like, yeah, it, it felt was, a, it was always fast paced aside from what the first 10, 15 minutes where we're learning about Kathleen Turner's character mm-hmm. and she's still in New York. And it's, it's that part's kind of slow, but that's, that's normal. And like I said, that actually had kind of a very uh, stereotypical rom-com buildup where you're learning about, Oh, she's lonely. All she wants is to be loved. And, you know, she's dreaming about her significant other who's out there somewhere. She has a conversation with her close friend who in this situation is what her publicist. Yeah, uh, her publisher. Or, yeah. Publisher publish. That's a, isn't that a publicist? No publicist. Yeah. Is... It's someone who like helps control what is written about you in like magazines and. Online. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, we need one of those. We're, <laughs> after a year, man, we need one of those. Yeah, totally. Hitting the charts. God, all the attention and paparazzi we're getting. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, so like like even that in itself is like a good setup is like one of her closest friends. I mean, aside from obviously her sister who gets kidnapped, like her closest friend in the movie is her publisher. So that already kind of sets up. It's like, oh, okay. Like we get it like this. She, she just wants to be loved. But then like from then on out, it is so fast paced that it's, it takes that Indiana Jones adventure story, like atmosphere to it the whole time. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't, I think it's just, it's, you just gotta, you gotta watch it. Like you gotta, sit through all of it because there's so much there's so many subtle lines there's a lot of good slapstick there's good um you know under the breath kind of comedy and and stuff like that that's that's worth seeing i guess we are kind of getting to the verdict aren't we (laughs) yeah i mean so like i'd fuck the movie Uh, i wouldn't marry but i'd fuck the movie like you need to see this once it's a fuck for me too agreed it's yeah it's not it's just, like mind blowing, great quality or anything, but uh, it's definitely it's fun. It's a great fun movie. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. It's so bonkers. <laughs> I keep saying that word because it's fucking true. It's it, the ending is just nuts. Like as far as all the way to like the gator biting off the arm and like oh climbing, um, like. <laughs> fuck it jack trying to keep the gator who has the stone um like and like but then he finally lets them go to like try to then finally save <laughs> joan and then shoots the gun there's no bullets so then he has to climb that wall that we talked mm-hmm. about and then he does this like little fuckboy boy thing and then he still somehow comes up with the money to buy the boat anyway and build the boat anyway like he doesn't have the stone yeah, how like, do you know? Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have the fucking stone. He let the gator go. No one knows how he got it. And then also, he has enough money. And like that. And also, if he's getting away from the cops and every, and can't go to the U.S. Embassy, how is he back in the country on a fucking sailboat on the back of a semi in the middle of New York with no fucking traffic and just knows that she's about to come around the corner from the goddamn bodega with groceries? What the fuck is that ending? That, my friend, is a romance novel ending. It is so off the wall ludicrous. But there's parts of it that like the heartstrings. Oh, swoon. Like, yeah, because you thought they were going to get together and then they did at the very end and then they share a kiss and you see the boat going off down the street in New York. I'll tell you what, that shot looked fucking cool. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I wouldn't even put the damn boat out on the water. I'd be like, dude, let's just yeah. cruise around for a couple hours. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
So <laughs> put Lonely Island on. I'm on a boat. <laughs> Just blare it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. But that's our verdict. That's the film. Um, so first, uh, you can find our socials on Instagram. We are at Bromancing the Stone Podcast. All one word together. Bromancing the Stone Podcast uh, on Twitter. We're at Bro the Stone Pod. It's where I live tweet these movies as I watch them. Uh, so at Bro the Stone Pod, and then on uh, Twitter, uh, personally, I am at Supermarket Sweep. So that's S U P R Market Sweep. Um, and then on Instagram, I am Relusa eighty eight. So that's R E L U S A eight. And then Max, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is the Lionhearted with a period. T-H-E period L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. And on Twitter is the Lionhearted with an underscore T-H-E underscore L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. There you go. And then I mentioned we would save what happens after after to the end of the podcast. Uh, what happens after after, as I mentioned, there is a sequel to this film. And so next week, since it's my choice, we're going to continue on and watch the sequel that came out 18 months after the original all right. So we'll watch The Jewel of the Nile. Or I think it's just called Jewel of the Nile. But that is the sequel uh, to this film. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just keep it going. I, I had enough fun watching this first one that I might as well watch the second one. I think uh, I'm going to make sure I definitely have some weed for that one. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. I mean, just to make sure, like in case they find themselves stuck in the jungle again, I guess it wouldn't be a jungle this time, stuck in the desert this time, they come across <laughs> a bunch of extra weed that they're going to blaze up and hotbox with, I want to be on the same page. There you go. But until next week, for the tens and tens of listeners, we thank you for listening for the first 50 episodes. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for everything that you've done as far as listening and support. And uh, we've had a hell of a time. I mean, it's been a great year. I yeah, it's been phenomenal. So we hope you have too. Yeah, as far as as a podcast, not necessarily as a society. No, the year the year itself blows. Like, but this has been a a lone bright spot in this year. So yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll chat with you guys next week. We love you. Peace. Love you guys.